Uh, oh, you know, you got two choices in life. Are you the toothbrush? Or are you the toothpaste? The toothbrush is what actually gets shit done. Or are you the toothpaste? Where you just, uh, you just whiten up a few stains on yourself. You just try to clean up and sparkle for the day. But if you don't know how to brush your teeth, you don't know how to use a toothbrush, then you just got toothpaste. And, uh, it's not a, uh, it's not a position you want to be in. Moral of the story is, um, go to the fucking dentist. Check your oral hygiene. I haven't been in six years. I have no reason why I felt I should have to go, but I'm starting to feel peer pressure from my peers. On that note, welcome to episode 47 of the Off and Beat podcast. I'm your host, Clint. Uh... It is 3.47 a.m. I am very well energized. Frankly, because our sponsor today, Bang Sourheads. And in case you guys don't get the whole um, energy drink um, selling point I'm doing, they're not our advertisers. What fucking advertiser would... You know, give money to someone that can't even get five views on a podcast episode. Views. Like a Drake's album. I wish I got as many views as Drake's views on views. Views on views on views. Like David David Dobrik's podcast. Because apparently his view, he apparently didn't see the view of um, a bedroom escapade going a little too far. Kind of like Trevor Bauer. Not going to get into that. Not going to speak on legal reasons I'm not a part of. But he's still on leave. Not a great look. For this view. Or hashtag the boy. Um, yeah. Recent update on my life. Um, so my phone. As actually T-Mobile. So T-Mobile. Um, it's pretty well knowledge now. Um, this past week, they had a data breach. Essentially, meeting a hacker got uh, hacked in and got access to all 100 million users of T-Mobile and got all their personal information and is selling information on the dark web. Meaning, anything you use your phone, which like everyone, you've used your credit card, you use your social price at some point, uh, your email address so they get into that literally anything your text messages your pictures everything you got all your fucking data and it kind of opened my eyes thinking i used to never care about i still really don't if t-mobile or these nsa or the government sees what i'm doing because it like you know the notion if you have nothing to hide you have nothing to hide but the fact that that information is so prevalent that when someone hacks into their system all your information and some the idea of someone selling your shit on the dark web um that is a scary thing to think about and um but see here's the thing right not that this is connected to the t-mobile hack but ironically like a day after i read that article 
my phone starts acting up. I'm trying to record a Snapchat video for some Snapchat's always been a pain in the ass recently in my life, but cool. I was trying to record a little video. It's been a little slow lately. And I was trying to record, and my phone just freezes up. I'm like, ah, I've had my phone for six years. And I was like, ah, you know what? Maybe this is a sign. I should probably get a new phone. Oh, as uh, Three Days of Grace would say, it's never too late, except it became a little too late. So my phone completely shuts off. Nothing new. Cool. Shuts off. I tried to turn it back on, and it just shows the white T-Mobile screen. A lot longer than usual when I restart my phone. Let's just say a good three minutes before I'm like, fuck this shit. Take the battery out, put it back in, so it like re, you know, energizes the phone. Do that. It's still showing the white T-Mobile screen. I'm like, fuck. This sounds like some really bad shit. So finally, my phone comes back on probably like 10 or 15 minutes after I dibble-dabble. And it goes to this home screen asking for me to enter a password that I don't even have a password. So I just put in some bullshit and just put in my phone number. And it directs me to um, this. Then it starts showing the little green Android, the one that looks like the Monsters, Inc. Is it Mike? Yeah, like Monsters, Inc., the little green ball Mike guy. And he... uh. Then it just keeps dot, 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 and it says, uh, deleting. And I'm like, no. But it was like, fuck it, whatever. I don't know what is deleting. I'm thinking, whatever. It's just restarting, whatever the fuck. So then finally, about, I let it sit, set it away. Probably about 25, 30 minutes later, my phone, uh, restarts by itself, turns back on. Goes through the function settings, and it's basically telling me the, um, all my shit has been deleted. By all my shit, I mean all of my shit. My contacts, my messages, my Samsung notes that were full of four years worth of raps between me and my friend. Four years worth of things that I've written in there, little passages, little shit, whatever. Now, granted... Can't blame anyone but myself for that because by now I should have transferred that to another file or transferred it to on my computer or something. And but most of those raps I've already performed in some capacity, but I like having it there. It's a nice little referencing. Kind of gets me in the mood to keep it churning. And it has my passwords for things because I don't remember shit. Like I don't even remember the fucking code again in my apartment at times. But it's cool. Um but, so, all of my shit on my phone is deleted. All my pictures, videos, nudes, all gone. And so, when my phone comes on, the realization sits in. Like, holy shit, I just lost everything. And I don't know why. But I'll tell you what, though. I wasn't even mad. Like, think about it. I just lost four or five years worth of information on my phone. Original information that I've written in there. I've lost years worth of text messages. And that's not the biggest deal in the world, but the only thing that did kind of bother me was I would sometimes look at text message from um, a friend that passed away a few years ago. And I would sometimes look back the year 20... 
message from 2018 and 2019 when he passed away. And I would see the messages sometimes. It would just be a reminder of, you know, gratefulness of life. Little things like that. And I had it saved, like, in the bottom of my messages and shit. And, you know, I just have messages I'll look back here and there. And then, like, uh, as uh, Lloyd would say in true, I lost it all. And uh, that is true. I lost it all. But how come when I lost it all, in quote, I literally did not give a fuck? I, I, I'm more worried, like, why am I not more mad about this? I do not even care to recover any of it. And honestly, in a weird way, the past few days, and it's not really connected, but it's almost like having even the reference points to look back at old messages with, um, let's just say ex-girlfriends or that friend that passed away. And it would bring up these memories and shit. Just not even having the access to even go to that if I wanted to. Old pictures and vids and stuff that I probably should delete a long time ago. And now I can't go to it. And honestly, it's like this weird peaceful thing. And I think it's, you know, we, we people, you know, we make fun of like the TV shows, the hoarder shows. Where people are holding on to things of the past so much. And they're hoarding. They're buying all these public storage places. They have stuff in the attic. They will never use. Never resell. Never touch. But they just have it. And they're afraid to get rid of it. And us younger people. Make fun of like old people. Because they have all. Because they have things of the past. That they just can't get rid of. But really. It will open my eyes. Is that. I was the same way, but just with information and just with pictures on my phone and just with messages and with voicemails. Like I was just holding on to shit that I should have just got rid of years ago or months ago because they wouldn't even be things that I would look back in as like a great memory. It would be sometimes to remind myself of something maybe painful that happened. And even if the pictures and stuff wasn't a painful moment, but when you see those pictures, it triggers painful memories. And it was one of those things that was like a blessing in disguise type of thing. And I and I think typically that blessing in disguise shit is kind of cheesy and corny. And really is just excuses because people couldn't make the decision themselves. So they had to wait till the decision was made for them. It's kind of like when you're trying to get fired from a job. But you don't want to quit because you can't justify to yourself quitting because it pays too well. But you know you're unhappy. So you basically just want to get fired just to feel free. And you'll pretend to be mad. But then you'll be like, thank God. Because you didn't have the courage to do it yourself. And I didn't. And I realized... With the exception of all my old raps I would do with my friend. And all that's gone. Years and years of us weekly raps. I'm not even exaggerating when I say I probably at least had like 150 to 200. Probably even more than that. Because we would do a weekly for three or four years. And I would do multiple sometimes. Plus shit, I was just doing like 
that's how much of this shit I had. And for some reason, I feel no... I feel no, like, ownership that I lost. And those are things that took time, dedication, fun. And whatever is posted out there on his Instagram page and my YouTube, that's really all I got to show. And I was planning on actually making my own videos and doing that shit. And I'm like, and then also I'm like, how much am I trying to hold on to the passes? I just need to write more, write new raps and music if I'm going to do that. It's like, I keep like, like I remember some old podcast episodes and I have no problem doing that. I'll use my old raps for intro just for something different, you know, just for something different, make my podcast unique. Sometimes I'll post old videos on my YouTube just to kind of like, it's like dig in the archives. And it was like this weird thing that it was almost like whether my phone's hacked or not, if it was hacked, all the power to you. You did me a favor. Just, you know, don't uh, sell my nudes on the dark web. Because uh, I don't feel you're going to get a great return on that. <laughs> you could try to shoot it to the moon. People are going to look at it and be like, whack as fuck. Uh, but it, it, it did kind of remind me and remind myself of... I really need to just like move forward from my past. Uh, I don't want to use the word achievement, but past stuff I've created myself. And I need to get out of that box and stop kind of like, because you get to that point where you're trying to just relive the happy moments in your past. Even when you're present, you may be struggling to recreate those same happy moments. But maybe part of the reason why I couldn't recreate new music and inspiration because I kept looking at the past shit like, oh, bro, I got shit stored for a while. And all that's gone. For some reason, it's kind of a relief. It's like, I have a fresh start in a lot of things. It's like, even if I want to look at old shit, I can't. It's gone. I'm pretty sure there's some way with Samsung I could read, but I almost don't even want to. Um, the only thing is, like, my contacts. It's going to be pain in the ass to try to reach people I give a fuck about. But the reality is, if I have a legitimate person I'm interacting with, they'll reach out to me eventually and text me about something. Be like, hey, uh, who is this? Ah, let me write your name in the contacts. Just so you know, keep in contacts and let me see. Olin. Hopefully she's a craftier person than me. Oh, Clint starting with the puns. But, yeah. I realize that we, me specifically, stuff that I would always judge people that hoard shit, right? And I realize we all pretty much hoard shit. We just, nowadays, it's in a different way. Hoarding isn't just when you have a bunch of old antiques and furniture and old, like, you know, milk cartons. When you just have old, uh, you know... Just old t-shirts that are 30 years past your prime. And you're not going to wear it. And they're just sitting in a box. But you know what? Just because you just might. But, you know, it's hard to... Sometimes that shit just has to be taken away from you. For you to realize, like, you didn't... Not only do you not need it. It was doing you a disservice just by holding on to it. 
And this sounds like a big assumption. This sounds like a big projection. This sounds like a big, uh, just, you know, um, it, it sounds like a big reach, a big stretch to say my phone deleting itself, all the data itself, you know, it was a sign from God to say, Clint, since you won't do it, I'll do it for you. But I do things things work in funny ways because ever since then, my phone has been working crisply, like so crisp, not a single slow moment. And that was an issue I was having for a while. You know, it's kind of like, um, I've had this phone for five or six years. It was starting to reach that seven-year itch. You know, the seven-year itch when you get married. That's when you, you know, you start having thoughts about, you start having those realizations about your state of your marriage. And uh, you start seeing some nice fellas at the office. And you start being like, you know, I'm not going to do anything serious. We're just, you know, going out for drinks. I feel like my phone was starting to see what's out there. See if it could do better than me. See if it could find someone that, you know, looks for more, better information on its Google Chrome. And, you know what? We had to have that big argument. We had to get rid of everything in the past, me and my phone. We just had to let go of everything. We have to start fresh. We have to get back to the basics. You know, go back to the honeymoon. Go back to where it all started. And we've been better than ever since. I feel like my phone has known me more than it ever has. I feel like I appreciate my phone more than she can get anywhere else. People keep telling me I can do better. People keep telling me, Clint, go get an iPhone. Clint, upgrade your phone. Jesus Christ. You can do better. You can afford it. I was like, yeah. But I'm happy with what I have. It keeps me, you know, it keeps me humble. It keeps me honest with myself. I even put a protective cover on it. So when it falls and I'm not there to catch it, you know, it may be bruised, it may be nicked, but I'll be the first one to take it to the, you know, phone repair shop if it has to be. But I'm there for her. I want her to know that. When most most phones would have just left me, they would have just realized they can do better. They could have went somewhere, have been more appreciated. But at the same time, I caught it before it was too late. And you know what? Maybe we had to have that big argument. We had to have that big disagreement. And, you know, maybe someone was hitting her up in my own DMs, ironically. Some hacker saying, come over here, girl. Come to the dark side of the web. Stop looking up that surface level shit on Yahoo News. And she could have left me. She could have went to the Fresh and Fit Miami scene. And uh, got gang banged in, 
NBA player's house. But no, she's happy right here because she sees the bigger picture. She wants to be with me when this podcast goes to the moon. She wants to be here to see that. And she wants to be there. You know, whenever I start DMing with the love of my life, I wanted to be on this phone. You know what? It was just for the camera. This phone, this J3 Prime. Look at this bad motherfucker. Going strong, baby. You know what? You you think I'm lying? I don't even have a background. It's a basic blue. It's not even my favorite fucking color. I mean, look at this shit. I have no contacts. Nothing. But you know what? That means she loves me, even when I have nothing. She loves me for who I am. I have, I have had her since like a little after high school, and she used to bust it for me. While I would bust to her to the dance. She has seen me take a couple things that would have me out like a light. But more importantly, when I need a flashlight, she's there for me. Moral of the story is, we live in this upgrade culture. We live in this culture where we could always do better, right? There's always someone out there that can make you more happy. Bring you that immediate satisfaction. You know what? Maybe me and her, we don't have sex eight times a week. But you know what? When we have that twice a month, we sure make it worthwhile. We put time. We put thought. We're delicate with each other times. We're mindful. We make sure we get each other off. And I don't mean just sexually. I mean, we get each other off, you know, being ourselves. I accept her for what she is. You know what? Maybe she can't, you know, pop lock and drop it on me. Like when I first got her from the T-Mobile store. But you know what? She still hugs me, gives me those side hugs, kisses me on the cheek. She sits in my lap. She's always there by my side, literally, when I wake up. She could charge overnight. She could be on 5% battery, and she will be there when I need her. She serves me, but I make sure to give it back. Can't put a price on that. Moral of the story is... Upgrades aren't always better. Continuity is important. I can't believe I've just talked like seven minutes about my love for my po- for my phone. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because everyone that I've told this situation to, they always say, just get rid of her. Just get rid of her. You can do better. You deserve an upgrade in your life. She's not giving you what you need. She's causing you fits. She shuts off on you. She shuts you out from the world. She'll just shut off randomly. No explanation. She'll just go slow on you. She's moody. And I just sit there like... And that's what I love about her. She's genuine. 
feels like a real person. Feels like a real phone. You know what? Her battery dies sometimes. Sometimes my battery dies. If you don't take care of her, if you're not keeping Lee constantly energized during the day, of course she's going to fall asleep on you. Even if it is during sex. That's normal. But you know what? That's because you wore out during the day. Sitting there on your Spotify, sitting there on YouTube, sitting there on your Google Maps. And just think that there's no consequence to that. I've put it through a lot. And it made me realize I need to ease up on it. I need to, you know, maybe I need to write down on paper more. You know, maybe I just need to, you know, phone calls instead of a bunch of text messages. You know? It's the simple things. Upgrades and quotes aren't always better. Because the biggest upgrade you can offer is the one that requires no extra effort. It just requires mindfulness. On that note, I'm glad my phone got clear, cleaned to the cleaners, got swept. Um... Although I will miss everything that I put years into it. I feel like I got a fresh start. I'll take advantage of that. Speaking of uh, taking advantage. um, I think tomorrow is going to be the day I take advantage. I think I'm going to take advantage of my... uh, Certified lover boy status, and I am gonna ask her out. Jesus, and by the time this airs, which will probably be sometime next week, the audience will have to decide if uh, she said yes, maybe, we'll see, or hell no. But either way, by the time you listen to this, it's gonna be in your head. And by the time you get updated whether that succeeded, um, chances are she'll probably be my wife. But yeah, um, not trying to phone this one in by am baking episodes. By the way, thank you for the continued support on the audio. I know I keep on saying that essentially every episode, but I truly do mean it. It does, the followers have increased, the daily, you know, listeners have increased, the last 30 days have exploded, the all time, everything has just, and I can check the map, guys, it's, we, I'm not even exaggerating, I say we're going global, um, it literally looks like a global warming map, because <laughs> there's starting to be some hot spots, and uh, unlike my Wi-Fi, there's a lot of hot spots. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I will say, you know, this isn't just one of those bullshit riffraff ones, which those are fun, but, you know, I'm actually starting to have some thoughts coming through. Uh, Serena, come in. Get it? Thoughts coming in. Rack it. Rack it in. Just racking kind of my money. Um, but I do find it, um... I want everyone out there to start taking care of your health. 
no, I don't mean mental health. No, I don't mean just your physical, you know, fitness. I mean, I want you to take care of your health. What does that mean? I want you to understand that without you identifying what is healthy for you, it is going to lead into this directionless idea of what health will quantify at the end of your life. Health is one of the most unselfish things you can actually do. If you are healthy to yourself and taking care of yourself, it is the most unselfish thing you can ever do. If you were a parent, um, unfortunately, you are being selfish by limiting yourself health-wise for your child. And I know when you have children, it's hella stressful. It's not something that really can be quantified just by saying this shit's hard. Babies are crying up all night. There's so much more if you're an active parent, I should, I guess, say. If you're an active parent in your kid's life. There's a lot of things that no matter how much you try to explain to people, it's one of those things you can't really explain. Like, you either have to do it or not. You either have to be one or not to truly understand uh, the amount of energy and attention and how much of yourself it drains. But I kind of like, I kind of just want to have a kid right now because I feel like if I had a kid and this sounds completely selfish, I'm not actually saying like, you know, hey, any girl come over, just let me drop it in you. But if it were to accidentally in quotes happen, I don't know if I would be mad about it as fucked up as that sounds um obviously you don't want to just have a baby with anyone that's where that shit goes off the rails but if it was someone wanting to spend my life with and all that and I truly wanted to bring a child in the world with this person of course I would even if I'm quote-unquote not ready and what people will quantify as ready Because I feel like I could bring so much value. And I feel like everyone feels like they could bring a lot of value to their child. But not only do I feel like I would bring so much value to my child. Ironically, I feel like it would save me from a lot of my own personal bullshit that I'd probably bring on myself. Unnecessarily. I feel like it would clear things up for me. Because whatever you stress about now... Typically, they're things that are really don't matter. And I feel like when you have kids, you realize how much of that trivial shit that we consume ourselves with, like worrying about who wants us and all this shit. And like we just waste so much of our time on things that don't fucking matter. I feel like when you have kids, if it changes you in the right ways and you actually go in with, you know, the right intentions, I feel like. It actually makes your life so much more easier, as weird as that sounds, because you have no choice but to only focus on what's important. 
when you don't have any real responsibilities of any significance, have any severe consequences if you don't fulfill those responsibilities. You're just creating issues on yourself to create you to make your life more interesting to yourself. And maybe that's a self-projection, which it maybe is. But I don't think it's a self-projection when I literally hear people talk about, I'm bored. I want to go do cocaine. I want to go get fucked up on some molly. Just because. It's like, you have work at 6 a.m. Maybe don't do that. If you're going to do it, um, you know, maybe uh, don't do it with, uh, you know, your uncle. Because Molly makes you really horny. You don't want to accidentally fuck your uncle. And then uh, you play the game of uncle, uncle. Except he's not uh, bending your arm back. And sweet home, Tennessee whiskey. And just say it was the alcohol that made you fuck your uncle. Uncle, um, you're going to need some whiskey glasses to see it through because you're probably making out on the couch with uh, your uncle. Anyways, but yeah, it's going to sound dumb. Clint wants kids, and I feel like once I have that first one, it's over. I'm having like seven. I'm Philip Rivers this shit. Um, but the weird part is typically people that have 10, people that have like six, seven, eight kids, typically those are stemmed from very religious families because when specifically like, uh, Christianity shit, when you have a bunch of kids with the same woman, now if you start getting the others where you just scatter around like a scatter plot and you know, you're Nick Canning the shit like, huh, diabolical. Um, not even gonna get into that shit, but if you do the Philip Rivers route where you're married and you just have kids back to back to back, because they don't believe in, um, any protect, they don't believe in any contraception. So we're not talking about, they don't believe in just birth control. We're not talking about, they don't believe in tying your tubes. They don't believe in, they don't believe in wearing condoms. Like when you get to that extreme side, like Anything that could prevent the possibility of reproduction, as far as the knowledge I'm aware of some of this stuff. When you start to get into very evangelical or the very, like, pristine, high level of true, like, uh, restriction. Not restriction. It's quite the opposite. Restriction. It's open field. Um, When you start getting to the very high discipline when you start getting to the highest levels of this religion stuff anything that can get in the wavery reproduction and recreation is i believe it's considered like a massive sin it's pretty much it's considered i mean obviously we know they feel about abortion which you know what do you expect they only believe in wearing condoms and you're surprised that they're gonna hate you for getting an abortion no fucking shit um, but, but the weirder part is obviously I'm not religious and I definitely would never be that religious, even if I ever became religious. And I do wonder, is that actually a disservice? Because if I don't have a religion structure, which 
I could be very critical religion, but at the basis, even the most critical people of religion, and I wouldn't even say I'm that critical, but I certainly have like critical, you know, feelings about it. But even the biggest critics of religion would acknowledge even if you think it's a delusion type of thing, even if you think that it's misguided and outdated, which ironically I don't think it's outdated, is that religion brings the ultimate structure to your family. It brings a central belief system, no matter what. If, of course, done right, I guess. But if you raise kids in this central belief system, at the very least... You know the core, you have a core value, in a sense. And you don't want to raise your kid having no, like, quote-unquote, core values, even if you're taught valuable lessons, if you don't have a central belief to fall back on. That can be very dangerous. That's when you have people that are just astray in the world. That's when you have people that don't really have anything to think about but themselves. They don't think about a higher power. You can find the positives and negatives at any type of parenting type of pattern. I'm not really here to everyone parent the kids however they want. But what I, but what I kind of want to get into is if you're having a crap load of kids, right, in a family type of thing, the family aspect is the most important. You know, obviously having one home, you have six or seven kids. It's probably the more ideal, even though that's not typically what happens, you know, but whatever. Are you doing your children a disservice, even if you're not religion, to not adopt a religion? Just so your kids can have a central value system, at the very least. So they have something to believe in outside of themselves type of thing. I keep on pointing to myself like I'm that person that thinks about themselves. Of course, I think highly of myself, but I'm definitely not arrogant or egotistical. Um, I do think about that when I have kids, especially when I actually have like a family. And one of the things I've run issues in my life is... Most girls that I've either been with in some capacity or dated, they've been Christian or they've been religious in that aspect. I even dated a Muslim girl one time. Oh, does she not follow the Muslim uh, traditions, let's just say. Wink, wink. Um, But no, seriously. And the thing is, they've always been, they were always accepting of me, always accepted for me to come to their church in some cases, you know, and they would never say that they had a problem that wasn't religious. I think it was just understanding, like, all I ask you is to at least try, at least, you know, try to, you know, listen and, you know, try to at least engage in this. And I'm not gonna lie, it was hard at first, but then over time, I, I did for one girl, and, you know, um, I don't regret it, but, you know, it, it's one of those tricky things where I wonder, would they, would they even, even though none of them, none of us ever actually 
went the distance, obviously. Didn't even make it halfway the first base in most cases because uh, she never got the feelings of the inside of even first base. Or I never even made it to first base. But you get the analogy. Jokes, I at least got the second base. Um, But especially when I hit for the cycle, even if she was on hers. Anyways, um, it... I do wonder that would it have become a problem, an inevitable problem over time where if I would have never adopted or claim myself as Christian and if we were to ever get, if we ever made it to the point where we got engaged or married, would that have been a possible blockage of us ever actually getting married? Because... When when you have grown up in that faith and you truly are delved and you've lived and you still adopt that lifestyle, even if you don't go to church all the time, it's like you you don't want to be with someone who doesn't truly understand that, right? Then you got to worry about when you start when you have kids together. Um, even if I sit there and say no, you know, we could raise them Christian. It doesn't matter. It's fine. But if you're the man of the household, you can't, like, you know, you're the leader of the household. They're going to follow what you do type of thing. And you can't sit there and not go to church with them on Sundays. And even though I would have gone to church, obviously, and I would have grinned myself, but they could tell, you know, kids aren't stupid. They could tell when you're not into it. They could tell when you're not really about that life. Your kids... You don't like your kids see everything you do and they see everything you don't want to do, but they also see how you deal with that stuff. And, you know, they also tell when you're faking wanting to do stuff more times than not. Kids can sense that shit. And I do wonder, would that have been a blockage? Would that have been one of those things where basically I can't just halfway into this? Like, yeah, no, we'll raise our kids. It's fine, but I'm still not going to go there if I'm not there. And I do wonder, like, and I was actually told by one that, you know, after we broke up, they said that, you know, it wasn't something that we had to worry about yet, but definitely some in the back of my mind, like, I would want my husband, I would want someone that I'm that serious with to share that same type of uh, religion or passion, whatever you want to classify it as. And she says, I appreciate that you didn't try and sell me something that you weren't, or at least yet. And I respected the fact you're up and, you know, that you didn't grow up religious. Like, I never judge you as a person for that. But she's like, yeah, like in the back of my head, of course I would want, in a perfect world, I would have wanted you to do that. Because I want to adopt that lifestyle together. And you have to be, you know, it's like one, the most important things, like most of quote unquote coaches or any parents will tell you, like the main three things you got to agree on. If you were going to have a healthy marriage or even just a healthy, stable relationship of any capacity, when you start getting to the advanced levels of having a house and all that stuff together, you got to have, you got to be on the same page about money. 
uh, finances. You got to be on the same page about uh, faith, whatever that faith may be. Even if you're not, faith doesn't always qualify as religion. So even if you both aren't religion, religious, you got to find a, you got to be on the same ground of the faith that you want your kids believing in some type of faith in something. Even we're not talking about religious or spirituality. You got to be on the same page of how you're going to raise your kids as well. Um, you got to put goals like year by year of what you, you want your kid to get into and accomplish type of thing. Like these are the like these are things that you're you need to think about when you're trying to find that quote unquote life partner, especially when you start having kids. I look at Clint trying to be a fucking life coach here. I'm like Hitch. Without the, you know, girls hitching on my wagon. You haul. Ah, shut up, be a cunt. That was my phone. I was calling my cunt. Damn it. I just did like a 20-minute soliloquy earlier about how much I appreciate her. I called her a cunt when she was giving me a weather update. All she was doing was like, hey, sweetie, make sure you get your jacket. It's really cold outside. And I said, shut up, bitch. I don't have to be up for four hours. But I love her. She knows that. She knows I was just spur of the moment. But uh, yeah, um, having some, having be on the same page with money, faith, and how you raise your kids in general, and also like communicating what you both want long term, where you guys want to live as a couple. Where do you guys want to raise your kids? Uh, do you are you looking to get into a house, like a bigger house, or your job, like how like what income do you guys need to make to provide the life that you want for your kid? Like these are things that you got to think about when you're finding your partner. And the things that you don't think about when you're younger, even if you are religious, my experience. But there are certainly things that when you, as you get older, the people you date, if you are still dating and you haven't found someone, when you start getting your late 20s. Or even early 30s. You become more stricter. Because you start to realize you can't. You're not going to change someone. Especially when you get to an older age. You learn at a younger age. You can't really change people. At least you can't change people. Uh, for the right reasons. Because if you can change someone easily. That means they could be. They probably don't have a very high. Uh, confidence in themselves. They don't really have a high. Type of. Um, they haven't really thought themselves out they don't really have conviction in their thoughts yet so you got to start actually meeting people that's why you know i've understood when i've gotten older why there's a christian mingle why there's a and although i still think it's i still think it's shitty like elitist i think it was like elitesonly.com where it's basically people that make people that make six figure earnings and above and it classifies these people on this dating site no one below is based on like an elitist mentality, which goes against everything I like stand for and stuff. But at the very least, if that's what you want, like there's a place for you to go there. And if that's what you care about, you want to date someone who's on your level. You want to date someone who only makes what you make or more. And when you start getting to those high level of incomes, I 
you know, that's actually, you know, it sounds shitty, it sounds cynical, it sounds condescending, but it's the truth of what they want, and they have every right to want what they want, and it narrows down, like, why pretend to go on dates with the dude that makes $30,000 less than you, when you know realistically you're not going to want to be with them just for the simple fact that there will always be, there could always be a construct and the dynamics of power um there's a st- there's a level of living you would want to live and you don't want to feel like a burden you know whatever like it's as you get older what i've realized is that you know when you see enough things and the your your uh, classification of who you go out with shrinks a lot. And it's not that you just become picky just to be picky. It's that we have a time clock of what we're trying to do. Especially if you're like a woman. Um, you know, your fertile clock is only for so long. And as a dude, you know, you you have a longer leash. But you also got to think about, do you want to have kids at 50? And then by the time they graduate from high school, if you're alive... You're 68, 70, and then, you know, and when they're in their teen years and shit, you're not in the physical capacity to really keep up with them the same way. So, you know, that's things you got to think about, too. It's like you want your kids when they move out of the house where you can still, like, live a second bachelor life. You could divorce your wife finally. You get, you know, go move to Cocoa Beach, get you a nice condo, you know, and start living the life. But it's, shit, what was I talking about? Jesus Christ, Clint, get your thoughts together. As a second sponsor by Bang, let me take another sip, Sourhead. Oh. But yeah, as you get older, I'm not breaking news here. You know, who you go out with and potential dating, you know, if you're dating with a purpose, you're not just dating for, you know, free meals. You're not just dating to pass the time by and you actually start thinking about you wanting to find someone to, you know, settle down with, quote unquote, which settle down always has a negative connotation. Which I understand it could. You don't want to be the guy that someone settles for. You don't want to be the girl that someone, that dude settle for. Because he still, if his ex were to come back to him today, he would take her in a heartbeat and say, sorry. Love is love. Like, so the settling down aspect has a lot of negative connotations. But what it really means is that. When you settle down, you prioritize what's important for your life at this point in time. You've moved past probably the younger, immature stuff, stuff you're willing to deal with, stuff that you realize is unnecessary to put up with. And you find someone that you settle with where it's easier, it's calmer, it's structure. It could be stability. They provide a stable job, a stable home. A home to come to. A place of peace. So settle down can have a very positive tone as well. Unfortunately, it's different. You know, it's, it's, it gets, it's much different. You don't want to be 
the one someone settles down with when you're really young. But when you're really old, you want to be someone someone settles down with. At 25, I don't want to be the one that girl settles with or settles down with. Because that would mean that she's basically she's basically acknowledging that you aren't uh you aren't even like the top eight choice. Like the here's the reality of marriage, in my opinion. I've talked about this with a friend. Like I asked him a question I thought about. I was like, You really think if you asked let's say you asked like a hundred married couples, right? Let's say you asked a hundred married couples. You know, we stuck specifically with women, but really, if you just ask like 100 married couples, you have both people and you ask them separately and they couldn't lie, lie detector test, whatever. I bet if you ask them after like eight to 10 years of marriage or even five years of marriage and you were asked them honestly, did the person you marry? Are they really the one that you wish you married? Or even when you were to look back. Of every person you could date, if you could start over and got the pick, the exact person, you got the remarry or marry. Would your husband even be in the top three or five? And I think we both kind of like... I don't think people would, especially if you have a legitimate dating history. Like, if you just marry, you know, the person, the second person you ever dated, you know, obviously by default, at the very worst, he's going to be the second. He's going to be top two. <laughs> but, um, but if you have a, like, let's say legit, like you've had 10 partners, but you marry the guy you quote unquote settle down with, like, and you marry at like 33, right? Like, if you could redo it and pick the person, the ultimate person that you had the strongest attachment, love for, and bond, would your husband actually, was your husband actually the number one person, or did you guys just happen to meet at the right point times in life? And I think that's when you hear your parents about timing is everything. Or when you hear people say timing is everything, it's not that you didn't love the people beforehand, but they could have been having personal issues. And by the time they figured it out, you guys didn't connect anymore or put too much of a burden where you can't look past things anymore. Someone caused you too much pain, even though the amount of love you have for them. And then you meet someone and you don't know, but then over time, there's a gradual bonding and it just naturally delves into that. But, you know, it. And I thought, and we thought about this, and maybe we were just, and I think really just because we were talking about the YouTube manosphere in general, and we were talking about how, you know, to be honest, like, if you. Like, it always comes up on recommended on our shit. And look, we, we divulge and we watch the shit and because, you know, just the absurdity of the stories they cover, it's really insane. And because, you know, we're on board with a lot of this stuff, but we don't delve in and live that life per se. We're like, yeah, the shit's real. Like the shit you see, this absurdity, a woman's delusions in today's world, the modern woman, the modern man and all this shit. 
the double standards. Yeah, of course all that shit exists. We acknowledge it and make fun of it and talk about it and all this shit. And we're just like, hey man, winter's coming. And then, but what we also realize, like, man, if we, if we watch this shit, like, well, we, we, we know when the, like, all right, man, I, I get, I don't need to watch this shit anymore for the week. I got it. Cause if you're like, let's say you're like an 18 year old guy, right? And you're completely new to the actual dating world. You're out of, you actually are out here and you have to actually interact with women. You actually start like going out, hanging out with girls and capacities, having sex and all that shit. You actually learn the hard way of how all this shit works, right? Then you see these videos, right? You see these videos, you see the stories they cover, you see the delusions, and man, you will just start, like, legitimately, you, if you don't know no better, and you don't realize how this shit works, man, you will legitimately just start hating women. You, you will. I'm not saying I've gotten to that point, but I stopped myself, like, man, like, because you will lose hope for the possibility of, you know, dating having a legitimate relationship or a legitimate marriage because you don't want to be the guy who gets married to someone eight years later have kids with them then find out nine years into your marriage that the kid isn't even yours and then you're then you've already built this attachment to the child you don't want to just leave this child because you built this bond that's beyond just your dna but you realize it was all off a lie and then you as a man, like, then you may be attached to the child support. Like, this is how crazy these fucking stories are. Then you're attached to the child support because you've already been basically, was it like domestic? It's like, um, you're basically father by default. If you've been living with child and supporting them for X amount of time, you're hooked on even if you're not the father. And that's these, like, games, these deceiving, these lying, these bylaws, these Sonical games like some of these people will play out here to protect their asses. Like, could you imagine having a kid with someone nine years later finding out it's not yours and you built your whole life being with this person and this child and it was all off a lie that you didn't even get to choose if you wanted to be with that lie? But man, if you when you see videos like that, man, it really like it's bigger than just someone cheating on you. You literally probably sacrifice your dreams, your life, everything. You probably had to get a job to pay immediately. You had to like learn a skill that maybe you didn't want to because you had to provide a life because you felt that you felt that DNA, you felt that true inner wild man type of shit where it's I'm going to do anything and everything. And you take pride in that. And you realize you did all that. You put your whole dreams on the back burner. Everything. You may have just given up on your dreams. Because you had to get a job provide. Because that brought you the satisfaction. And doing the right thing. And you realize you did all that. To find out. It was all for nothing. It was not all genuine. You got lied to. Like, imagine the life that changes for someone. Imagine how much that fucks someone up. 
and that's what a lot, like a lot of these videos you see from mediocre tutorial reviews. It's real life though. These are real life situations you see. Even the Abram preach when they cover a lot of this shit. Shout out. It's the insanity, the absurdity of these stories that people are in. And it's real life. And if you're a young man and you're watching this shit, you're like, why the fuck would I ever want to be a part of any of this? And then it's going to make it. That's when you have the dudes out here that just completely fuck woman type of shit. The reality is a lot of these people, because they haven't had experience, they don't realize that a lot of this shit is based off the people, it's the desires and personality traits you think you want, and you realize there's things that come with those personality traits. That it's all fun, it feels great, and all this shit, and you don't realize, oh, well, now they don't like me? They just like, then you got PJ Washington and Brittany Renner. Jesus Christ. You know. But when you see all this shit, it definitely does make you think twice about why the fuck would I even want to go out on dates? As I'm about to ask a girl on a date and fuck up my whole life. Um, But you know what? All great things start at Chili's. That's where I'm going to ask her out at. Get a couple shaken margaritas, then uh, shake it in the bathroom, and then hopefully she can shake it for me, country girl. But yeah, and I would always advise, like, we would tell, like, bro, if you, if, if just some random guys in here watching these manosphere, these stories all day, it's going to make you resent the opposite sex. The same way that women probably watch... All these stories about men doing fuck shit. Of course it's going to make him hate men. Everyone just hates everyone. Which is essentially why we cause all these same cycles of bad behavior on each other. And we blame our past. And we bring our past. And fuck up decent people who had nothing to do with that. And then they become shitty people. Based off this whole cycle. And it's a shame. It really is man. Um, I'll just... People just got to learn to make their own assessments and use common sense in a lot of these situations, in my opinion. But anyways, back on the focus. Jesus Christ went off on a tangent that I did not sign or co-sign. Oh, Pythagorean theorem. You piece of shit, Clint. Oh, Clinty poo. Oh, I'm not a square, but I am a triangle. Ding, ding, ding. School of Rock. Um... You know, yeah, that, so going back to why limiting your, as you get older, limiting what matters to you, I'm not saying you should just become, you see, you don't want to be that person that just becomes a stickler, thinking you have all these standards, so that makes you like someone with more standards, when reality just makes you like a lot, makes you lack a lot of self-awareness, because... My thing is, if you were going to be ultra picky picky about things, and I go on a day with you, I'm going to start ultra picky picking you. And I don't want to do that. It's not who I am. I don't nitpick every little thing about someone when I'm out with them or just friends with them. Unless they start nitpicking shit with me, like, why do you dress like that? And I'll be like, well, you know, we've got to class this up some way since you're dressing like a complete whore. You know, but hey, 
I like your nips. <laughs> Makes me smile like some cheese nips. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I did say that to someone one time. That's why I'm laughing about it. But she actually laughed about it. She actually thought it was kind of clever. She ended up walking out on the date eventually, but it was a good five minutes. Um, but yeah, man, you just gotta, you just gotta really identify what's important to you. And then once you identify what's important to you, um, then you go fuck yourself and throw it all out of the window and remind yourself it's not going to happen for you because whatever you plan out, God is going to plan it for you, which I did hear this simulation theory that like someone said that in in this simulation theory, I think it is. It's kind of corny as fuck. Which I don't believe 90% of that bullshit. Who fucking cares if there's 10,000 simulations of your life? And you only know about the one that you're in. It's like, what if this is just one of 8,000 simulations of this actual moment? And those other simulations, something completely different happens. It's like, well, guess what? We're both in this one. Who gives a fuck what happens in the other ones? If you get your legs cut off in this simulation, it don't matter if you get them back in the next one. Because guess what? In this one, you're not getting them back. But yeah, here's where I'll, you know what, I think it's time to wrap this up, unlike uh, Philip Rivers. <laughs> but uh, I would say these are things that you don't have to really start like thinking, thinking about. There's not really an age where you need to start thinking about it. It's more about you got to also prepare for the fact that if you're out here, even if you're having protected sex. Shit happens, man. You can wear all the protection in the world. You can wear an Iron Giant costume while you're having sex with her. And guess what? You may build, you may have a little mini iron just uh, sticking inside of her. Nine iron. And shit happens. These are things that you don't want to think about so much before you need to. But there's stuff that you got to at least start making little... Making little tangram maps about. It's like, what if, like, when you're with someone and you start thinking about your future, is this someone I want to have kids with? Okay. An emotional moment. We all want to have kids with the person that we're with. And if you don't, you should probably stop being with them. Because if you get them pregnant, guess what? The person you didn't want to have kids with and you knew about it, guess what? Now you have them. And... The things you do, you got to think about, and you got to really wonder, is this the person I want to bring life with? Which is one of the most important things you will ever do as a human being, man or woman, is who you bring life into this world with. Because let me tell you, man, you know, we, we make fun, you know, what, man, we joke about the divorcing shit, the money and obviously, you know, that shit is still fuck shit, except when it happens to Kelly Clarkson. 
then apparently it's, oh my god, this is so wrong. But when it happens to every other dude that gives their spouse $200,000 a month, then it's just, they were, you know what, they enhanced their career. But when Kelly Clarkson is, he was a burden. No one respects a man that stays at home with the kids. And although I semi-disagree, notice how I only say semi because that means I partially agree. People say what they want. Uh, that shit still matters and the perception of that still matters. So people say, stay-at-home dads is perfectly fine. It is fine. You know, if you're making hella money and it makes sense, sure. But you can say what you want. You're not going to treat him like a man who's, if the roles were reversed, you're going to treat him completely different. People could say the dynamics of finances don't matter. Um, there's a lot of history that proves otherwise. And even if they pretend, even if someone pretends it doesn't matter, they're going to treat you less if you make less than them and you're a guy in the relationship more times than not. And no, it's not an insecurity thing. It's the fact that you will actually just start treating them that way. But whatever. Um, is it like the most because, you know, we joke about, I wouldn't even say joke, but it's a real thing. You know, this divorce settlement, spousal support, child support, you know. At the end of the day, it's two adults that somehow can't figure shit out themselves, so they need to go to the courtroom. And sad reality, when grown adults can't figure out what to do, what's best for their kids. Um, and, but, you know, fuck all the money shit. The most important part of that, the most important part of the aspect is how the kid is going to respond and live and go through life based off all of this. And like I said earlier, your kids see everything. They see how you, they see how you are when you're mad at each other. And guess what? When they are mad at their future girlfriends or their future boyfriends, they're going to see what to do and what not to do. They're going to see how their parents interacted. What's too much? What's normal? What's not normal? When is it okay to argue? What? How far do you take to argue? You know, those are things that are learned. How someone argues is a reflection of what they saw their parents and what was normal and what was not normal. That's why you have some people, and they typically come from homes where the parent, where it was a single parent, or they come from homes where uh, it was a, where it was, yeah, basically single parent, where parents were divorced, and they never really saw their parents argue. So then, or their parents hid the arguments from them, so they always did in private, which sounds good in theory, but I think sometimes you need to let your kids hear shit. Not like everything, but you know, things a little healthy. So then when they take that, so then when they start dating and be, they think the slightest disagreement, the slightest raise of voice is like this gigantic, we can't be together. Oh my God, we argued. Oh my God, he's mad at me. Oh my God. And it's this whole traumatic event when it's just, yeah, no, you argue. Typically, if it's over some trivial or whatever, you argue, and then an hour later, you go get Zaxby's, bring it home, make sure you get the sauces, and then you watch uh, Fletch. 
and you call it Wednesday. People argue it's not the end of the world. Now, obviously, there's ways to do it and not to do it. You don't want to do it all the time. You're doing it all the time. It's just not a happy existence. But you know what? My opinion, it's important to see your parents argue, adults argue, how to handle shit. And it's not always the funnest way that people argue and handle shit. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's yelling. I'm not advocating yelling, but there's a controlled yelling and you can yell without getting physical. And the thing is, people resort to physical violence when they don't know how to verbally actually solve something. Obviously, that's not all the time. Some people are just verbal. Some people are just physical. People, anytime they don't get the way, they just punch their wife. You know. But typically, violence, resorting to violence on an inferior uh, physical being which typically a woman would be to a man in most cases. Typically, it's a resort to not knowing how to verbally be respected when they're yelling and explaining the point. I don't think I worded that better, but I think you guys get what I'm saying when I say that. It's there. There had there wasn't a there wasn't a standard that was set of how to argue with the opposite sex and there is a way to do it you're gonna argue with the dude different than you would argue with your wife you're gonna argue with your best friend different than you're gonna argue with your girlfriend it just is the way it is and that's a good thing but yeah be careful you uh bring life into this world with because it doesn't just affect you it doesn't just affect your kid it affects their whole idea it affects how they treat future partners of theirs and it affects how they see things all right guys that was episode 47 the off and beat podcast my power is about to go off um remember the suck some titties and like and subscribe the video and my dick is getting a little hard which means hard times small places have a great day Have a great fucking day, you sack of penis.